I've been good. It's been really, really good. I, it's been like, I, I looked it up. It's been like a year and 10 months since I talked to you on the podcast, had you on the podcast. And I always like having people on again because with comedy, like you get, it's like anything. You get to see people's progression and how they've changed and what they're doing. It's always cool. And you're doing a whole lot. Like, you've had so many people on your podcast. Like, a few people that I know. Like, uh, you had Cody Webb on, who I've had on a couple times. He's great. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's really cool because it's like you have this whole cast of characters in this world that like you can really like see the progression of and see like how they've changed and everything. It's so cool. And like, it's also great to give people like that opportunity because it's so tough to get any type of attention really in comedy like you have to really stand out and I feel like a lot of people get like discarded in a way like they're not really like it's tough for people to break out so any chance I can do to like make people you know have a spotlight I'm gonna do it it's like absolutely yeah and he humanizes people to other people like oh for sure really right that, that's one of the cool things about doing it, like, I mostly, like, occasionally I'll have, like, a headliner on, but, like, mostly I do people in my area, and, like, it's cool because even though we spend a lot of time with each other at Mike's, like, three days, like, maybe two, three days a week, we don't really know each other that much, so you can learn stuff about each other, and that's always been really cool, is people can figure out what they have in common, and, you know, it, it just helps people get a better idea of a person. Yeah, I haven't listened to it yet, but I saw that you had uh, Joe Gorman on, and I know him. I haven't had him on the podcast. I want to, but like he's a yeah. he's a freaking killer. And like I just remember meeting him in like Jersey City, he's like Jersey City area, and I'm in Jersey Shore area, so we're in the same state, but we're in different places. And he's just he's fantastic. Like it's cool because we have like sort of in New Jersey, we have like this like these like three different parts of New Jersey. And, like, everyone knows each other, but we're all, like, separated. So it's, it can be tough to, like, meet everyone. And you'll be like, oh, these people know these people. <laughs> it's like everyone knows each other. It's just, like, it's different from California and, like, New York where, like, you know, they're kind of big for, like, New Jersey is kind of regional, I guess. So we kind of feel like, we feel a lot like, and it, we feel a lot like independent wrestling of comedy. <laughs> It's like that, kind of. 
commonly seen in Oakland or commonly seen in San Francisco right. or commonly seen in San Jose. And if you want to go a little more than an hour, um, commonly seen in Sacramento. And you guys have a lot of, like, actual clubs. Like, that's the thing that's tough for us. We have, like, we have, like, three clubs, and none of them, like, let, like, open micers do anything. So it's, like, really tough. And we're just, like, we do a lot of, like, underground shit. And, like... Going back to the Joe Gorman thing, um, I don't know if you yeah. know this, but, like, if you listen to the podcast, you would know. Uh, I met him 2012, 2013. Yeah, he's been doing comedy a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just remember his energy. Like, he was so. It was so good. Like when I saw him, he had been doing it a long time since then. So like, when I saw him, it was like he was amazing, and like his energy was just fantastic. So I haven't seen him in a in a long time. <laughs> Yeah, and he's always been super cool, and you know that's yeah. that's just one of the cool things is when people are you know good to be around. I mean, that's really half of it is like you know if people are just cool like. That's when, like I say a bunch, like one of the things that's been really cool about whenever I've had like a headliner on the podcast, like they don't talk down to me in any way. They view me as a comic. And it's like, even if we're in, and it's funny, like we might view ourselves in different places in comedy. They don't really view it that way. They just view everyone as a comedian that does stand up, which is really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was curious, uh, how long have you been doing comedy now for? So I started doing comedy in 2010. Oh, okay. The first time I ever like, stepped foot on stage was September 13th, 2010. And ah. uh, I was doing pretty strong for a few years. Um, this is in San Jose, San Jose scene. And then in mm-hmm. um, I was working graveyard shifts. And then when you came back, it must have been tough because, like, COVID happened right away, so... No, we came back just before COVID, so we came back oh. in July. In fact, um, today is July. I don't know when this will go up or whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, but, you know, right now it's, like, July 23rd. Yeah. And um, four years ago, yesterday, was our first night back in comedy. So July 22nd yeah. is the, the anniversary of hypothetical comedy. That's so cool. And, um, yeah. So it was 
before COVID even hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, two things I wanted to say. Uh, um, well, one is a question, but uh, you know, it's it's very like I'm really excited this month because this month was like my two anniversaries of doing comedy. Uh, the 11th was uh, my um, 14 years since I started doing improv because like I wanted to do stand up, but I was, wow. but I was you know 16 and you know it was very tough for me to sort of there was no stand up scene in my area until like a year later. And then um, I didn't end up doing it for like, until like 2015. So that started uh, on July 18th was when, 2015 was when I started. So it's been eight years and it's just like, it's so cool just to see that like, that trajectory of what I've been doing and everything. And I've had this podcast for five years now and it's just like, time goes by <laughs> super fast. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was, because when I started in 2018, I was just, like, rambling. I did, like, kind of a solo thing, <laughs> and then, and then when I, when COVID happened, I was like, oh, we're all, like, inside most of the time. I just was able to start interviewing the comedians in my scene, and it just sort of built from there, and it really gave people a good, like, chance to sort of express themselves during a time when we weren't really doing that much performing <laughs> here. Yeah, no, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't either. Um, there was definitely the Renegades. You know, we're the Bay Area, so... Yeah, we had some of that. It was funny, our... Side shows and park shows. And yeah. Getting busted by park rangers. It was funny, our main open mic that we used to go to, uh, it just closed out last year during the holidays, but it's this uh, very famous punk bar uh, called... Um, Oh, it's called uh, Brighton Bar, and uh, it's in Long Branch, New Jersey, and uh, they just got rid of it in December last year, but uh, they knocked it down, but it's very sad, because. but it was, like, it was weird, because it was our open mic, and then through the local, like, newspaper, it became technically a comedy club <laughs> from just us doing shows and mics there, and when we started doing mics there, like, during covid they had like drones that would like go check on bars to see if people were wearing masks and shit. And we were the only people like subset of people, only bar <laughs> that was following the rules. Wow. They had like the city had drones looking at the bars. Yeah. It was crazy. That is insane. I never heard of anything like that. They were like just to check that people were wearing masks and stuff. And we were. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy with that. <laughs> it's like the future is coming. <laughs> it's like all the stuff with AI now. It's so crazy. Like, yeah. have you been paying attention to that? The whole writer strike thing and the actors strike and all that shit. Yeah. Oh yeah, and for sure. I also do a lot of comedy as much as I can. Yeah, so I want to talk about wrestling with you. The other thing I wanted to ask is, uh, with the hypothetical comedy, have comedy clubs and like stuff around you have they been receptive to the hypothetical comedy and sort of your brand and everything that you're doing? Yeah, we haven't really been doing producing shows. Mm -hmm. uh, so I produce. So coming out of the pandemic. 
we produced a show in June of 2021, and it was it was it was a success. It was great. There was like 60 people there. Oh, that's awesome. They were just they were just like laughing super hard and. It was a, everybody murdered. It was just such a good show, and that was our hypothetical comedy two-year anniversary show. Yeah, two-year anniversary show. And then we did another show. Uh, something happened. We were gonna do it in February, and then COVID kind of happened again, so we we postponed to June. And so we did the show in June of 2022, and it was like COVID was kind of coming back. People were kind of scared about COVID, and the show didn't do very well. Mm. It was a very, you know, there was like maybe 20 people there. Oh. And it's a bigger club. And so like 20 people might be cool, but like, uh, it just, it, it seemed very empty. Ah. You know, it didn't seem packed like 60 people did. And then also uh, the money that I got from the club um, based on, you know, the deal we had made, um, I it was less money than when I, when I had told the comments I would pay them. Uh, and so, like, I kind of got my heart broken in that situation. Oh, yeah. Looking back on it, thinking back about it right now, because I've been so, like, just heartbroken over that, and I haven't produced a show since. Yeah, it can be tough to I produce can, shows. Like, I can't afford to lose money right now. I'm not going to do it because I can't afford to lose money. When I can afford to lose money, I'll do it. Right. Like, it was kind of a, a weird situation because we got postponed because Cody was coming back. And this is 2022. So people probably got scared again. You know, it was a whole weird situation looking back on it. Right. Yeah. It's it's a shame that that happened, but that's always such a, a gamble with, like, clubs and how they're going to, you know, handle stuff and what kind of, like, how much of a leash they're going to give you for stuff, so. Yeah, I had a pretty good, I mean, you know, the, I was able to have flyers in the club and they, they were able to, like, send out a text message blast for me and everything. Oh, that's so great. And then we had, you know, negotiated, like, a percentage of the door or whatever. And it was, like, a $5 show. And then I got, a, you know, X percentage of the door. And it was a lot less than I had gotten the previous time, of course, because there wasn't that many people there. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just, you know, this, this situation where I lost money. And I, it was, I, couldn't, I couldn't have lost money, but I did. Right. Yeah, it's, I can imagine it's really tough. And uh, it's, like... I'm so bad at hosting and I really should do it more. I'm just like, it's not the hosting that really bothers me. It's like the setup. <laughs> it's all that annoys me. It's like doing all that I love, stuff. I love hosting. Yeah, I think it's really good for people who are like super charismatic and like very like, like just good at like, just because you kind of feel like that, like, it's like being a wrestling announcer. Like you kind of just like are able to, able to just do that. And I wonder, I wonder actually. Sorry, do you know who Samuel Bain is? Uh, Nam sounds familiar. So he's like a national headliner. He's like he's about America's Got Talent. Mm-hmm. Whatever, whatever. I know this guy for like ten years, or more than actually like thirteen years. Now. Yeah. Um, he was like writing like blogs and stuff, and like how to do this and how to do that. And one of the things he wrote was like how to be a good host. And, mm-hmm. Like this guy is like amazing. Like he has a world record for one thousand days of comedy. Oh like, wow. Amazing or something but anyway one of the things he said about being a good host was to be bulletproof a good host has to be bulletproof and, and so basically like if you go out there and you're between people and the energy's not great you know and you have to kind of bring it back up 
but you're going to be taking a few blows because the crowd's going to be take a little bit to kind of get back into the into the moment. And so you got to go out there and just be like, hey, what is this and this? And then if you get laughs, you just got to drag it off and keep going. And that's hard for some people. Oh, for sure. It is. And I think, like, the main thing for me is, like, the same reason why I need to get, like, I need to do crowd work more. It's just, like, I'm so focused on myself just because of, like, just focusing on this, you know, set for, like, eight years. It's, like, you know, it's tough because it's, like, okay, I want to do this. And it's always it's always an interesting thing, like, to to really figure out what you have because I think every comedian sort of thinks that they have more than they have, like, you know, it's just what we think and we push ourselves towards. We're like, oh, I can do 20 minutes. <laughs> it's like, you can do 14. <laughs> like, right. But, um, you know, that was one of the things, like, I wanted to bring up about, you know, wrestling, talking about people evolve. Like, I was thinking about it. It's so weird. Like, uh, Dominic Mysterio in, um, on August... Uh, you don't like him? Oh, I just don't think he's very good. Oh. Uh, I don't think he's as terrible as people say, but that's just because my barometer for terrible is, like, way more. I will set this for your barometer. Logan Paul never stepped foot in a wrestling ring, and he came in. I mean, you know, maybe he, got some, he had some training. Yeah. He came in, and he was leaves and bounds better than Dominic. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think... I think with Dominic, the thing that's odd about him is he has a very weird body type. Yes, he's very, like, is it, is it the weird gangly? He's, like, yeah, he's, like, tall but small. So, like, Sammy has that in a way, but it, like, sort of works for Sammy because the one thing that Sammy Zayn is great at is... What's great about Sammy Zayn is he was under a mask for a lot of his career, and I remember, like... One of the things that the only criticism Jim Cornette ever had about him was he's an amazing promo. Why is he wearing a mask and not doing a speaking character? But if you look at Sammy, like the great thing about him is he he knows like he can, can he can make his body like do so many different things like visually, like with his expressions and his body work. And it's like it's like even if he was wearing a mask, like you could still see like his like motions and movements with Dominic. I just, I think like my barometer for someone bad is someone like, you know, like Cameron from the Funkadactyls or like Eva Marie or something like that. I'm like, you know, Oh, her gimmick was great. Yeah. She was bad. She knew she was bad. Yeah. She was trying to get out of yeah the one thing that i wanted to say though like about him and like it's the same thing with like randy orton and john cena is like being able to watch these people evolve is some of the weirdest like thing to me (laughs) it's like i was thinking about it like when i started watching wrestling i started watching in 2002 when like Rey mysterio debuted and john cena and it's like to see that they're all like 45 and 48 it's like oh my god (laughs) Oh, wow. I'm always jealous of people who watched it in that era. Because when I watched it, like, the thing that was kind of interesting when I started watching it was, like, people kind of already knew, like, that it was predetermined. So I never grew up in an era where, like, people thought it was real at all. But 
the reason why that never bothered me was like I grew up like loving like Power Rangers and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, it's the same thing. <laughs> birthday i got to go to uh wrestling school for one day with my brother which was pretty cool it was the monster factory which is where uh where big show and like a lot of people like um bam bam biglow started it i think uh i followed the guy on twitter still i forget his name but it was two guys and like they were nice, but, like, my brother and I are just... My brother's more athletic than me, but I was pretty unathletic as a person, so... It was just cool. How old, how old was your brother? Because you were 18. My, my brother is two years older than me, so... Okay, so he was 20. Yeah. Nine. Yeah. So it was, it was cool, though. Like, and they just said, like, the one thing that was very, like, interesting to me after they said that we were very respectful, which was, like, an interesting thing. Because, <laughs> like, I didn't want to come off as, like, a smart marker or a marker or anything, so... It was like thing that I was worried about. <laughs> well, wrestling is very high on respect. Yeah, so they they like that, and I feel like like we are just too scared to take bumps. But like I feel like I was gonna ask if you took any bumps out there. We didn't, but I did one thing, uh, which was really cool. Was uh, you know how like they do like the uh, they have like the move where. Um, Someone does a back suplex and then the person reverses it into a crossbody. Yes. They did that with me, which was really, really cool. So I got to do the crossbody part, which was awesome. Not hitting the ropes. Did you hit the ropes? A little bit. But uh like that's the thing that's like crazy about like cruiserweights and stuff, like when you think about it, is like you think like how do they do it, the smaller wrestlers of like because it takes a lot. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, like, hard when you have, like, you know, but, uh... Yeah, but, um, yeah, it's so cool. Like, uh... That's awesome, though. It was, it was a cool experience. I think at 18, 20 years old, I would do that, and I would probably take a bump, um, but I think, uh, now I'm 42, I would not. Right, yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite wrestlers, like, my top favorite wrestler is, um... Matt Seidel, he was Evan Bourne in WWE, and yeah, yeah, yeah. he started. I just saw him last night. Yeah, he started wrestling. Uh, well, he started wrestling as a as an amateur wrestler in high school, and then as a backyard wrestler, and at like fifteen, sixteen, and then he started. Tr and then he became pro. He's one of the like three people in. Uh, Missouri who became licensed to be a wrestler like you have to like with the local state commission like you have to get like licensed and he got licensed uh he was one of the few to get licensed under 18 at 17 and he's been doing it for like since 2000 and it's like October 2000 and it's like to to watch like like I I have this channel um this YouTube channel and this 
TikTok channel called Marking Out for Matt Seidel. And I always find clips of him from like what from his first year. It, what? Yeah, it's my channel that I I make like I make like video compilations of him, and it's cool like to see him like there's clips of him wrestling at like 17, 18, 19 years old, and it's crazy like you see like the the like um all the moves that like he's done over the years. You're like you see how like his arm drags have progressed, and it's like it's like so cool to to see that. And also see him, like, grow up, it's like, oh, wow, he was, like, this little, <laughs> like, teenager, and now he's an adult, but, uh... So, I don't know, like, because I think, I'm, I'm assuming you were a teenager when you were watching him, um, so I don't know how much you know about, like, the backstory and everything, but Matt Seidel kind of opened the door for independent talent in that era of WWE. Oh, yeah, for sure, I mean... Hawkson and Bunny, Danielson's, yeah. and all these guys. Yeah, it's very interesting... Very uh, he's talked about it in a few shoot interviews, like the thing that was kind of, when he first went there to, to WWE, his tryout was actually the week of um, the Chris Benoit thing. All that. So he was really nervous about it, and he actually wasn't going to, like, he wasn't sure if he was going to do it. And uh, um, Paul London, like, he stayed with Paul London, and Paul London, like, helped him through it and was like, you know, the show goes on, you can do this. And then when he uh, met with John Laurinaitis, John Laurinaitis said, you're good, but we're not hiring cruiserweights right now, especially after the Chris Benoit thing. And he, he wasn't upset because he was wrestling in Japan in Dragon Gate, and he was like, oh, I can just go back to Dragon Gate. I don't care. Because that was really his main goal. Like, his main goal was, like, I want to wrestle in Japan. And he achieved that at, like, 23. So he was like, you know, WWE would have been nice, but he was like, because, of course, he grew up liking WWE, but it's kind of like, he was like, okay, I have this, I can wrestle in Japan, <laughs> and then John Laurinaitis told him that, and then, um, uh, what's the wrestler's name, uh, he did, like, the self, uh, Mike Nova, Nova, you remember him, yeah. at all, yes, he was sir. working in the office, in the office of WWE, yeah, and, and it was his last week, it was his last week he was gonna get fired, and he put, uh, Claudio, he put, like, uh, he put Cesaro, I think, and, um, Seidel's contract through for him to go to LVW, and, oh, interesting. and he showed up, and in three months, he was OVW world champion, and the thing that was funny about that was, when he showed up, he got very annoyed, because it was two distinct classes of wrestlers. It was wrestlers who looked like Randy Orton, and were, like, trained just to be they were just former models and former like you know yeah, so people and then the other people was like the few people that were from independence and they were sort of like like you know how like in you know how in, like aew they have like the superstars versus the like wrestlers sort of storyline going on like the superstars versus the it was sort of like that like dealing with and uh it's just funny, and, like, the one cool story about him is, like, when, uh, when he was there for, like, you know, six months or whatever in developmental, this wrestler that was, like, very jacked from the indies called him and was like, can you get me a dark match? And he was like, no, I can't get you a dark match. I haven't had a dark match. So he went to, so, uh, 
he was going to be in Missouri in his hometown where it was, where the show was, to see his brother, like, graduate from high school. So he he went, or, like, college, high school or college, and then he he told them, I'm going to show up, and they said don't come. Like, <laughs> they told him, like, Mark Ronald said told him not to come. He ended up coming up anyway, showing up. He did a dark match with Jamie Noble, who he had wrestled, like, four years before on the Indies. And then the next night, he debuted on ECW and was powerbombed in the Kofi Kingston. <laughs> so he, like, really, like, went through it. He really went for it. And the one thing that's, like, really cool about him and, like, what I've heard from other wrestlers, like, the thing that's so tough is, like, the confidence thing and, like, the ego thing of, like, you're trained, like, so hard in WWE to be, like, humble that, like, it's tough to, like, come up with shit. Like... Like, that's what I think, like, L.A. Knight is, like, if he had a little bit more backbone, like, to just say, like, what he wanted to do without a fear of being fired, like, he would be able to do a lot more. Yeah, but I mean, you know. Yeah. Yeah, me neither. Like, I just know people like him a whole lot. He's so popular. He's so popular. <laughs> but... It's, like, levels to it, because you look at, like, his popularity, and then you look at, like, Roman and, like, Jay and, like, the main event, like, people. It's, like, not even close. I don't know, man. It sounds like the biggest But it does sound, like, really good. Yeah, he's really... I mean, he's just a mixture for me, because he's great on the mic, but, like, in the ring, I'm not really that blown away by him. Yeah. It's just weird, like you know, some people just get that like that hot streak or whatever the popularity. Yeah, it's like the Enzo thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. He kind of reminds me of Enzo in that way, like, just... Yeah. I feel like that's probably a ceiling, though. Yeah. It's maybe it'll be a two or three time US champion. Yeah. Uh, what else did I want to say? Uh, so you have your, your podcast, uh, Gimmick Street. Uh-uh. Yeah. So Gimmick Street Wrestling Podcast is myself. Another comic, he's actually, he's like a national headliner. Um, his name is Pratik Sravastava. He's out of Chicago, but now he's out of L.A. Ah. And um, this dude who I've known for a long time who's, who plays in these bands and kind of tours uh, the East Coast area, um, mm-hmm. Xavier Bakuna, and he's in a band called Level. Ah. And yeah, man, we come up, we try to come up, you know, it's, it's hard because we're all three kind of successful individually, like doing our own thing. Right. So, all of us finding the time to come together sometimes can be difficult. So we try to come together every week. It doesn't always work. Um, I've been recording actually, hopefully tonight, we can make it work. Mm. But uh, yeah, we, I love it, man. It's so much fun. Those two dudes are, you know, wealth of knowledge. And I'm kind of like, I mean, we're all the hosts, but I'm kind of like, hey, what about this topic? What about this topic? Right. You know, and then we, we just kind of go from there. Yeah. I feel so bad about when I came on to your show and I was just like I went too fast and I was just not a good guest and I feel terrible about it so that was why partly why I wanted to have you on again yeah yeah uh, I'm trying to interview wrestlers that's hard too because 
a lot of time if they're so busy, you know. Right. Maybe at the gym or the show coming up or this or that. And a lot of people say, yeah, I want to do it. And then I look like, well, when are you good? And like, oh, well, uh, you know, and that kind of ends there. Right. So it's hard. Like, there's this, there's this person, I don't want to say the name of the guy, like, he's on the Indies and he's in. He's a big name, in, not a big name, but he's in GCW and, um. and New South, and he's doing really good stuff. And, uh, and you know, we keep coming together, like, hey, let's do this, and then he just kind of gets busy, and we just don't. <laughs> right. Yeah, it can be tough. You know, podcasting is one of the, the toughest things about it is just being consistent and being like, and also not burning yourself out is an important thing too like Absolutely. you got to kind of find that balance of like you know recently i've i've changed to you know interviewing people instead of just doing it on the weekend i i figured like well if i have all these episodes planned i don't have to make people wait to interview them like set it up so late i can just have them during the week and then release them whenever so it's like that but it's always it's always just cool just to be able to do it and finally get it done there's some people that like I just haven't been able to set up dates with, and it's tough, you know, you're like, you're like, it just, it takes time, and you're just like, oh, I didn't expect to date this long. There's people who have been chasing them down, you know, we've been this podcast for like a year, and there's people who have been chasing them down since the beginning, going, I want to interview you, you know, but they're just so busy. Yeah. I understand. I mean, I'm busy too. Right. So, how many times a week are you getting out to do sets? Um, sometimes three or four, sometimes zero. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, this past week, uh, let's see, the week that we're currently, okay, the week that's ending, uh, I don't think they call me that this week, but the week before that, uh, I was on a show Friday night and Saturday night, and then next week I'm on a show Thursday night, Friday night, and I think Saturday night. Oh, cool. So yeah, sometimes a whole bunch, sometimes not at all. Um, I'm trying to get out there more, it's, it's hard though, because... Right. Yeah, because I was trying to look up, you know, I was trying to look up if you if you had any recent stuff online for me to just really. check out because I try and do that, but I didn't see anything. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, well, he's probably, you know, that doesn't mean anything. I know people, I know people like. Like, I know we're all working, so, like, I know people are all doing stuff, and they all have, like, even if you don't post a lot of your content online, which I think is a good thing, actually, because you you want people to come and see you. Like, you don't want them to to see your major bits. Yeah, so when I started doing comedy, they said, don't put your stuff online because then people will think they already saw you, and then they can see you. Yeah. So, uh, this is kind of a nerdy question, I guess, but like, how how long are you are your sets usually? Like, how much time are you usually getting? Like average, like ten. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a little less. Sometimes a little more. I did a comedy competition last week. Um, it was cool because there was two shows. Ah. I was in the second show, and my wife was in the first show. And then the club owner um, posted on on the, the group that we're in. Posted uh, that he needs help. Kind of wrangling the comics, telling the comics, 
the order and who's next and who's coming up because the sets are very short and so it's like you gotta keep it going keep it moving and so i volunteered to do it on the first show so i gotta work the first show i mm -hmm. performed in the second show and the sets are two and a half minutes uh, so like that's crazy no that's hard that's really like if you're not a, like i have a friend who's a one-liner comic like and when i traveled with him it was like fun because like i learned how to do that style a little bit and that's easier like for that type of stuff but for me it's like my my stuff of course it's funny but it has like you know it has parts to it so like that's the thing that's like tough to like figure out. It's like okay what would i be able to do in like, I'll probably do it, like, figure out something in two minutes, but it's just, like, which one do I choose to best encapsulate? Like... And I consider myself a one-liner comic. I feel like, oh, sometimes my jokes are, like, two or three lines. I like and that I style. Like, I do consider myself, um, set of punch, set of punch, set of punch. You know what's great about that? I love the music. There's, like... Would you agree there's sort of a musicality to it, in a way? Like, there's just sort of a rhythm? Like, I feel that, like... With a lot of one-liner guys, like, yeah. there's kind of like this uh, beat to it. So like, and recently, I like, I feel like so, psychology is a big thing in wrestling. People always yeah. Talk about psychology, and I never really thought about psychology and comedy, but I feel like the last six months or so, um, the psychology of comedy is really like clicked in my head. Right. And like, I've really just quote unquote gotten it. You know, I've been doing this for right. ten years. But I think I just have gotten it. And um, so you talk about the rhythm and stuff. So one of my favorite things to do now is that I kind of understand what I'm doing a little bit more. Is to throw up a, to throw up a setup up there. Put a setup out there. And then just let it dangle. And let people just observe it for a second. And then hit them with a punch. And I really like to just kind of like build anticipation. And then, oh, yeah. And then hit it with the punch. And then my jokes are like thinkers sometimes, like you gotta think about it. And right. so like, I'll just sit there, I'll just hit the punch, and then I just, I'll sit there for a couple seconds, and then the laughter slowly just takes over the room. Oh, that's great. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I'm terrible at, like, I wish that I was better, not terrible, but I wish I was better at, um, like, silence during moments. Because, like, some moments you just need that. I've been doing comedy for 10 years, and it used to kill me. If I was silent, too long, I would suck myself out, and I would nose bomb my die bomb my set. Yeah, I would do terrible. Like silence used to be like it used to just be the worst thing. I would be so much anxiety. Yeah. But for some reason, the last six months or so, it's just been I've been working to my advantage. Because I also think what happens is like this is sort of a positive and negative thing about doing comedy, is you get more comfortable doing it. And you also get more comfortable because, like, when when you start, you want everyone to love you. And then when you – then your tradition to see so many terrible audiences and you're just like, oh, like, I'm not going to be upset that I didn't make this crowd laugh. Like, they were just not nice people or not good for the crowd. And you're just like – you don't want to blame the audience all the time, but there is that, like – where some people you're just like, oh, I'm not going to be upset that this 90-year-old didn't like my set. <laughs> it's like, it's like that's what sort of, like, makes it better. And just, like, once you can get up there, like, and just be yourself mostly, like, I think that's the best. It's just, like, yeah. show, like, the best of doing comedy is when you can talk, like, to the crowd 
like, like you're talking to your friends. Like, right. It's like once you get that, because another, another correlation to wrestling, um, about wrestling here, yeah, is Steve Austin said the best people in the best wrestling characters is when you take your own personality and you turn it up to 11. And I feel like that's what I do with comedy. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I've done that in like both ways that it works and ways that it doesn't work. And it's, it's tough because like you don't want to be like a like a weird character of yourself. You just kind of want to be as authentic, but you do have to push yourself like cuz there is a difference. There is a difference in in real life and in comedy. Like the thing that's great with comedy is like for people like me who like are not very who are more like inquisitive than talkative. I'm just like you're sort of when in everyday life you're trying to get a word in edgewise and then you finally have your chance like to do it. And that's why I always tell people like you know, to always relish in your sets. Like, it, if you're, you know, if you're starting out, you may want to get off stage earlier, just, like, from, like, instinctive. But, like, if you have five minutes, do the five minutes. If you have ten minutes, do the ten minutes. Like, yeah. do your time because it's so finite of what we have, like, to do. Like, that's another thing that kind of sucks about, like, when you're doing it longer and doing it more is that, like is the restraint of the timing. Cause you're just like, oh, I have so much more to give. Sometimes I like, I'll be like, oh, you know, I have a 10 minute set, right? And I have a million jokes to do. And sometimes I can't get to all of them. Right. And you just want to be like, like, I think the, the best thing is just to like, leave it where like, you don't leave a joke like not that it's done, but like you leave it in a way like that they can somehow know that you have more, <laughs> like, it doesn't seem like you're running out of stuff. You know, it's like, okay, this guy has, has everything. And the thing that's always interesting to me is like, I never really realized it until like after it's kind of done the few jokes is when I have chunks of stuff that like for topics, it's like, okay, now I can do this. Like now I can just go into this period of material. Like I have all these jokes in the beginning of my set, like about my balls. They're all just really, and they're like unique jokes. I try not to do anything like that's like, you know, like, would be thought of. And my stuff is very much, like, off-kilter in a way. Always has been. I, I'm always very envious of people who can do observational comedy. I, uh, I, I did this comedy, like, there was a feedback thing on Zoom a while back. Yeah. And one of the judges or whatever, guys who gave me feedback, yeah. said that I had an interesting, interesting hybrid style of one-liners and storytelling because my jokes were quick and fast. Right. But I... I on the same topic a little while. Right. So I kind of tell a story with them. Right. I think that's one of the cool things, too, about it is, like, once you know how to do a set, like, you just sort of have so much to work with. You're like, oh, I can start this joke in this place instead of, you know, in this place where I started. This goes here. This goes here. I'll put this tag on this joke and whatever. And for me, my one of my favorite things to do is I write tags on stage as I'm up there. They just come to me and I just say them. Right. Right. And it's like once you can just hammer in that point, like I think that's the great thing is like when you can talk about a subject and just get everything that you can out of it. It's just uh um it's just really, really cool to to see that. Uh and I just love love that. Have you watched any recent uh 
comedy specials or anything? Not really. I mean, you know, I so here's the thing is, my wife and I watch Kill Tony every day. Oh. We watch Kill Tony every day. Um, so we started watching Kill Tony in, from the beginning. Uh, sometime, I think, late 2021, like November of 2021, we started watching Kill Tony from the beginning. And so we're slowly, like, we're like an episode... Like in the 300s now, you know, so we've seen 300 episodes. Oh, that's great. And I have, um, just catching up with it. so yeah, we love, we love Kill Tony, so we watch it every day. Yeah, um, my, um, I watched, I think, Angela Johnson's movie. I liked it a lot. Yeah, my, um, for Kill Tony, uh, my guest is coming up, uh, just next week, uh, Caitlin Coses. She was just on there because she went to Texas a couple of months ago, and that was really cool because when she got to do it, uh, Roseanne. Bar was uh, one of the. Oh, uh, I remember. Uh, I remember. I and, think it was Amazon twice. Or something, yeah. yeah, so and she got to do that. And uh, my friend uh, Danny Braff, he's done the show a whole lot, and it's like he's similar to me in like energy. So like it was cool just to see him really ace that because he's just amazing and like it's always cool when people just get that recognition and like. And I, and I see that they changed it a little bit. Like, the last time I watched the format, it seemed like they changed it to be a lot more, uh, not that it's too soft now, but it's, like, a lot more nicer than it used to be. <laughs> yeah, I mean... It's, because, uh... It's a little bit nicer than you, because, like I said, we're watching all the old episodes. Um, but... Did you watch the, uh... Did you watch the... Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Did you watch the, uh, the Bill Burr one yet? Bill Burr. Bill Burr. No, I don't believe so. That one is interesting because I think that's what forced them to really do the, uh, to make it nicer because mm. Bill did not like the, the, uh, the, like, the, the, no, he didn't like the, uh, the style of the show where they make fun of, like, open micers and stuff. He was like, um, comedy's doing, doing it as hard as he would. He didn't, he didn't want to make fun of people who were, so he kind of, like, got on Tony's case about, like, that. He's like, you don't crush people's spirits. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's just always interesting to see, like, how different people do comedy, and really, that's one of the, like, just coolest things. Like, you just get to see so many different styles and, like, so many different... Oh yeah, for sure. Right. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's really and yeah, so it's it's really a fascinating thing to just do that and like i don't watch as many comedy specials as i used to i wasn't do like a few albums still but like you know it's it's tough once you're like just forced to it and plus you want to like watch so much stuff with like we both watch wrestling and like everything are you um do you watch a lot of aew i mentioned, I mentioned angela johnson's special yeah the reason why that was special to me uh was because i used to work at this comedy club locally here mm -hmm. and I don't work anymore because I have a job now that's hard for me to do that. Right. Um, but New Year's Eve, they always had Angela Johnson perform there. Oh. And they, they didn't have her 
Ah. Yeah, that's that's happened to me before when I see like I saw a couple people on their tours like I saw uh, Bo Burnham on his Make Happy tour before his, before that special came out. I saw uh, John Mulaney during his uh, one before the twenty fifteen comeback kid one came out. That's cool. And the cool thing about that was uh, he had like three people, like, that he's friends with in comedy, like, come and open for him. So he had uh, Chris Gethard and, uh, um... Oh, Chris Gethard's a stand-up comedian? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's huge in New Jersey. <laughs> oh, my God. He's I been doing comedy a long, long time. But he's mostly based out of New Jersey. Like, he's one of our, like... He's, like, the most pop, one of the most popular, like, people out of our state. <laughs> so I don't know if you're going to remember this or not, but if you go to YouTube and you type in... Chris Gether show Dumpster. Watch that show. It is so funny. It oh is... yeah. Yeah. I, he... I know he was a stand-up. He yeah. Was, like his show is so funny. Oh yeah. Yeah, and he's like from what I hear, such a nice guy. I haven't met him yet, but he's everyone that I know. He's just like he's our state guy of like New Jersey, <laughs> and uh... he's your state bird. Yeah, it's it's always cool. Like that's one of the things that's like really fascinating about comedy is like somewhere, like one of the things I love about doing this podcast too is like sometimes like I watch a lot of comedy. Like the way that I sort of consume it is a lot through albums on Spotify. So I'll find like a comedian and they'll be like, they'll be like the top comedian in Idaho that no one has ever heard of, but they're like really popular there, and it's like. You know, I meet them and they have like a ton of mutual friends with me, and it's like, yeah, it's like, you know, the thing with comedy and it's the same thing with wrestling, is like when you're in that world, like, like you just know the names, like the niche names better than than other people, like, like people might not know who like Seth Rollins is in the same way they might not know who Mike Norm Mark Norman is. It's like, it's like that. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. But yeah. I, I, would, I don't know, Seth Rollins is like, uh, like the top of the top, you know? So I'd oh, say yeah. Seth Rollins is like a, uh, um, who's it called? Bill Burr. Yeah, know? kind of close to that, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I would, I, would, I, would, um, I would compare Mike Norman more to like, um, like an Austin Theory. Oh, yeah, for sure, yeah. I could see that, yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's... 
it's always... Give me any comic, I'll compare him to a wrestler. <laughs> right. Um, what can I do tomorrow? So, uh, with your wife doing comedy, do you guys write a lot together, or is your styles and stuff, like, different? Uh, we're actually very... We're, we're pretty similar... Um, so we do, we write a lot together, traveling to shows in the car, like, oh, they might doing this tonight, what do you think of this, or I'm thinking about going with this tonight, and things like that. So, I don't really want to give too much away, um, right. but the other day, I was in the shower, and I came up with an idea for a, a physical thing, mm. right, on stage. Yeah. And then I came out of the shower, and I told her, hey, I have this idea for this physical thing on stage. But now I have to think of a way to incorporate it. And uh, she said, but you have this joke where you say this and this, just do it there. And I'm like, oh, that's perfect. Right. So, like, it's crazy how we just, like, bounce things off of each other. Right. Do you guys ever do, like, I guess, either if you're hosting or stuff, do you guys ever do, like, the same, do you do, like, duo stuff or, like, where you're on the same stage at the same time or are you usually, like, just separate sets? A, a lot of people ask me that. They say, do you do it together or separate? And my answer is always, we do it together, but individually. Mm-hmm. And, you know, most places aren't set up for two people. Right. I just know a lot of, I know that a lot of twin, I've seen a lot of twin comedians do that, where they go on stage at the same time. And it's like... Yeah, I've also seen where they have to accommodate like that. And it's like, you gotta set it up, you gotta step in the microphone, you gotta do this, you gotta do that. But like... The thing is, we thought about doing, like, banter stuff, mm-hmm. but I don't know, you know? I just, we like to be individual people, I guess. Go, you know, we'll be on the same show, but we'll be individual people. Right. And it's like you you both get to have that that experience of people get to see both of you and, you know, like, there'll be something for, like, if there's a couple in the relationship, they'll have, like... They'll be able to have that, see that, but like, yeah, and sometimes that's extra appealing to yeah. people. It's an extra selling point because it's like, you know, oh, they like me and they like her, and they find out that we're married, and like, oh my gosh, you guys are both amazing, you know, right? And so, that's kind of sometimes like the fact that we're together is kind of an extra selling point a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. you know, individually, we're great, but you know, together, it's like we have this force. So, uh, I never really look at comedy this way, but are you, like, what are you in terms of, like, clean and dreary? Are you pretty clean as a comic, or? Yes, I'm pretty, I'm pretty clean. Oh, In fact, out of the two, sometimes, one time, this guy came up to us because, uh, the first half of the show was clean, and the second half of it was more adult-oriented because of time restrictions and stuff. Right. He goes, hey, we, we, we just pulled up the parking lot, we got the car, he goes, hey, which one of you two is, uh, dirtier? And we both said her. She's dirtier. Yeah. Um, so I'm pretty clean. I do a couple jokes that aren't so clean, which I cannot do. You know, I think maybe one or two. Um, but for the most part, I cuss. Um, mostly, mm-hmm. like, you know, as not being clean. And that could be easily changed. Um, right. Or just taken out. Well, I think it's mostly, like, just how you talk normally. Like, it's just, like, your material can be clean, but just the way in that you talk is just as a person. It's like... It's like talking to, you know, your best friend of 20 years or talking to that person's child, right? Right. You still, you know, you're, you can turn around and be like, hey, this and this and F this and F that. And then you talk to the kid and you're like, oh, hey, hello today. There's a rainbow over there. (laughs) It's like completely different, but you're still like the same person. I don't know. 
I always wish that I could be clean, but also the one thing that's cool about Holiday is the same thing as like, I love doing this. I love having like, doing sets from different moods. Like if you do a, a set from like, even if you're not in a bad mood, but you do like a more negative, like tougher set, like more negative, like that's a way to like figure out what kind of jokes you have. Uh, just doing it in different moods and different like types of expressions is always, always really fun to do i feel and it's like a good way to learn like how to write more stuff it's like okay if i come at it from this perspective that i usually don't look at stuff it's it gives you a whole new thing to it yeah one time in 2019 before the pandemic i went to open mic and i was like really upset about i don't remember what i was upset about but my my set was so like aggressive like i did my normal set that i was doing at the time but just my delivery was just like so aggressive did people like that? I was it different it. and like? I liked, I liked it a lot. I don't know yeah. if other people like it, but I liked it a lot. Yeah, it's like you get to play the heel a little bit. It's like, oh. <laughs> Kinda, yeah. Yeah. That's how I feel like you have to be like, that's what's kind of like in New Jersey is like, it's very much like crowds are pretty tough because they're so used to like the style of crowd work that we have where it's very insulty and like, you know, just people in the New Jersey to New York to Philly area, they're just like, their personality is so different from other places. So like, you really have to be kind of tough on stage to not get scared by an audience. Cause that's really half the battle is like, if the audience knows, or at least has the perception that you're comfortable, then you can pretty much do whatever you want. Like if, if you're like shy, they can sniff it out really like well and, in this yeah, area. Yeah. Um, I, I really want some local wrestling promotions to discover me. Mm-hmm. Like, we need you as a manager. Because I would love you like a heel manager and just like talk smack. Oh, you. yeah. Come out, you know, walk out to the ring with somebody and just go on the microphone and just be like, Oh, yeah. Because I could probably do it. Yeah. That would be awesome. That would be so cool. I've been cutting promos in the mirror for 20, you know, 30 years. Right. <laughs> so cool. So, um, your, uh, your social media is easy. It's, uh, Funky Sam Medina. Yeah, everything's pretty much at Funky Sam Medina. I know I probably asked you this everywhere. the last time, but how did you come up with the funky thing? Has it always just been oh, a nickname? So, so pre-comedy, um, about 2003 or so, um, this is like a different even, I'm going way back with this whole long story, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend and I went to Walgreens. And I climbed up on the wall of the cart corral thing, and I climbed up on it. It was like late at night, we were closed. And I, and I put my arms out like Raven. Ah. And I stood up and I did a Raven pose. And at the time, uh, there was a young up-and-coming kid named CM Punk. And he was in uh, NWA TNA, and he was like a little Raven follower. Right. And so my friend, as a smart Alex, says, what are you, SM Punk? And I was like, yeah, dude, I am. And so... In that moment, it was like 2004. Ah. Oh. I, I think 2005. I, 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 I dubbed myself SM Punk and I ran with it. And I was like, SM Punk. And when I started doing comedy, I was like determined to be, like, be a comedian as SM Punk. Oh. And um, my social media handles were all SM Punk. Like, I was on Twitter at SM Punk. And like, everything was, was just that. And then I started doing comedy. And then I started using my real name. But then the other comics 
we're gonna start calling me Funky and Funky San Medina and things like that. And, and I was like, oh, okay. And so sometime in 2011, like the SM Punk um, persona died mm-hmm. and the Funky San Medina persona kind of came up and out of the ashes. Ah. And the comics, the comics just started calling me that. They said, hey, what's up, Funky? What's up, Funky? This is meant to be a star. And, he became one of the biggest wrestling stars in the world. Oh, yeah. In the early 2010s. It's like, yeah, he's always been one of my favorite wrestlers. And, like... Me too, yeah. Since the first time I ever saw him, he was one of my favorites. Yeah, I've always loved his stuff. It's, it's, uh... There's, there's three people. Um, AJ Styles, Rob Van Dam, and CM Punk. The moment I saw them, I'm like, oh, yeah. that guy is incredible. Yeah, all those guys, yeah. I have an interesting question that I thought of uh, before we finish is uh have you ever thought about like if you had a finishing move as a wrestler what it would be so in the early 2000s my friend and i um we were doing you know what uh e-fighting is what it e-fed oh yeah i'm involved in that i do that (laughs) so we were like writing these promos yeah these characters it was all text-based yeah yeah i I do that so we created our characters that were kind of based on us a little bit. Yeah. Um, I had So that. my guy, his name is Core, K-O-R-E, like corn. Ah. Core, because he puts the corn hardcore. And um, his finisher was a pedigree. Ah. But it wasn't called a pedigree. Yeah, so, right. I don't know. I thought that was a pretty good move. Yeah. It's it's interesting. I do what you've had. I've been doing it for, like, I don't know, 16 years? That was crazy. But, like, in recent times, in, like, the past three years... I just had this character, Ace Guy, who is based off of... He's based off of Matt Seidel, but he's different in his own ways that he's a unique character. But I had so many characters. Like, I had one character that was based off myself. That was just me. And then I had another that was a... Have you ever seen the comedian uh, Emo Phillips? Um, yeah, I've heard... Uh, yes, yes, yes. I, in fact, Emo Phillips was in... Uh, I mean, not, not really, but like a character... Uh, portrayed was in uh, uh, Crashing, the TV show Crashing. Yeah, he was in Crashing, yeah, yeah. Well, one of my characters was based off of him, and he was called Wallace, and he was, like, this, like, uh, this, like, circus, like, kind of guy that was, like, like a circus type of clown wrestler, which was really cool. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, it's, I've always loved doing that, but, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's... Uh, talk uh, off the air about that sometime, because I can tell you, you know, the whole rise and fall of what... Because we had a promotion and everything. Yeah, oh, yeah, you'll have to... Everything. You'll definitely have to... Uh, <laughs> tell me about that, yeah, for sure. Uh, so, uh, but, uh, again, thank you so much for being on again and for doing anything. And if you ever want me to... If you ever need me to promote anything, like you have any shows coming up or anything, just let me know and I'll, I'll do that for sure. Absolutely. I appreciate that, man. Thank you for having me on again. It's always a pleasure to talk to you and talk comedy, talk wrestling. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All right, great. I hope you have a nice rest of your weekend. Thanks, man. You as well. All right. Bye. All right. That was okay.